what's up and welcome to nostalgia lists nostalgia rankings however you want to put it uh this is pat sheehan joined by my trusty co-host dave martin swagger dave end of year is upon us how you feeling about 2022 in music god did no i'm feeling good nostalgia best of kicking off with music for us tv movies also on the way stay tuned for that youtube.com slash nostalgia pod but yeah man good move uh good music year feeling good definitely better music year than last year happy to get into it yeah we have a, a lot to get to we're going to be ranking our best albums of 2022 as well as our best songs and maybe even a few disappointments and some k-pop discussion as well so again hit that subscribe um if you're watching this and you are checking out our best albums list check the link below for our best songs list and vice versa if you're watching our best songs check the link below for our best albums check both of those out and leave your thoughts on youtube.com slash nostalgia pod before we jump into it dave i mean just right away how how did you feel about music this year yeah felt good felt good uh a lot of stuff i liked a lot of big names dropped which is always fun and exciting We talked about this last week with Spotify Wrapped, but in terms of like the music industry, the musical year, not a lot of new stars at the very tippy top. It was a lot of pre-established A-listers maintaining status when you look at like the global streaming data. Artists that didn't even release new music this year were still dominating. Um, And there's a lot of things that go into that, but that is something to pay attention to moving forward. But I still think there was a lot of uh, excitement of the new releases, which I'm happy to get into. Yeah, for me, um, I was really surprised to see how many albums I was able to just like be like, oh, I really loved that one, really liked that one. When I got to the songs list, I had a harder time picking out like what were really like the best songs this year. I feel like for me, there were a few really popular songs that stood out and I was like, ah, maybe I'll, I'll, you know, maybe those make my list. But it was just so much easier to say like, a lot of really strong overall projects, but maybe not those like singles that I'm going to be just like going back to over and over. At least that, that's my first impression. As I've been listening more, I'm like, man, there there's just a lot of good music, a lot of really talented artists out there this year. Um, we're going to be jumping into the albums first. And I want to want to give you the floor. What's your number 10 album of 2022? My number t- yeah, my number 10 album of 2022 is an album we did not review in the podcast, an album I got to several months after the fact believe this came out earlier in the year i didn't listen to it till around september and that would be houston rapper mike dimes second album in dimes we trust something that came out of complete nowhere for me i saw a lot of love for it having not yet listened to it earlier in the year he was a name who came up with xxl freshman hadn't been selected and i was like let me check this guy out we know houston has been Hot, obviously, with someone like Megan The Stallion and, you know, underground people like Max O'Cream. But there's this new Houston face. Interesting. Let me listen to it. And I was, like, just really blown away with just how hard I thought Mike Dimes raps. Like, this shit just just goes. There's just so many joints on this that I love. Uh, Home, paparazzi, back room, no trends. Like, he just goes so hard. He has such, like, confident flow. And the beats just like really hit with this like hard hitting like bass drum and stuff. Like, I would definitely recommend people check it out because he's still a 
under the radar artist uh for sure but someone i'm really really invested in now so mike dimes in dimes we trust number 10 dave you you talked about last uh a couple weeks ago actually how your spotify wrapped was the uh what the explorer or like the on the yeah. on the verge um, guy right exactly whatever it was what? called um <laughs> the tastemaker or something I don't yeah know. and this is why because you're full of surprises you have your finger on the pulse of these artists that aren't necessarily uh we're reviewing every week but you're always doing the homework and bringing you surprise albums like this uh mikey dimes dave's number 10 album of 2022 and now i'm gonna tell you mine which is that yesterday's price is not today's price it's almost dry by push it t coming in at number 10 for me i mean just when N- you number think, five for me. Number five. Hell yeah. Great album. Um, just when you think Pusha T can't uh, keep rapping about the same shit anymore, he just finds a different way to repackage it, and it sounds fucking awesome uh, every time. And, you know, uh, on top of just making this album with so many songs that stand out from Brambleton to Let the Smokers Shine the Coops, uh, Diet Coke, uh, Hear Me Clearly, like so many songs. You get probably the last album where you can really listen to Kanye and be like, ah, I listened to that before he was totally canceled and uh, didn't like him anymore. You get the last Kanye and Kid Cudi song on here. So that's definitely the last of that. So and and you get a Malice feature. You get Malice. Maybe we're going to get a Clips reunion. How could you not put this on a top 10 list this year? I think exactly how you said is exactly right. Where push 10 years in as like a mainstream soloist, you know, the second pillar of good music people know the story at this point he still finds a way to keep your attention with the familiar subject matter the pure snow we sell in white privilege is just the most amazing thing he's ever said like i can't get enough of it but to, to like deliver a album that's 50 percent produced by pharrell 50 percent produced by kanye west and both of them really delivered really showed they're the two sides of their production styles obviously they're both very different but that was sick And yeah, I think like you said, the suggestions of the future, a reunion with Malice, Eclipse album, uh, comeback album, perhaps very tantalizing. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like it's it's more Pusha T, but he just is always just so good and so entertaining that that's what makes him one of the best whenever he drops. Yeah, and he doesn't really shy away from like the darkness of what he's talking about on this, but he's still able to package it in a way that. I think is very palatable. Um, and you, you even get a song like Call My Bluff, right? Which is like so different from him. He's he's like registered up a bit. He's kind of like in this like laid back type delivery throughout it. And it's just like he's finding new ways to continue to like grow as an artist, even this far in, even if he's not necessarily finding new lanes. So I, I really appreciated this and just uh, can't recommend it enough. If you didn't listen to this rap album this year, uh, get to it for sure. Dave, what's your number nine? My number nine is Sudan Archives, Natural Brown Prom Queen. Very nice. I had Sudan Archives coming on my list as well. And number seven. Awesome. Yeah, I think this is another album that definitely caught both of us by surprise. We were not up on her uh, prior to this record. We saw the love for it, caught up to it a few weeks later. And I think it's just one of those classic examples of a really confident artist with a really clear vision delivering something that's really like multifaceted in this case, jumping across multiple genres. You know, you have when your singer is also playing violin on the same album, like 
I think there's just so many qualities and so many like surprising moments across the whole album that it just I think it was one of the most unique things I heard this year. Oh, completely. I mean, oh my God, Britt, they're going to lose their, they're, they're going to have a fit when they hear this shit. It's absolutely <laughs> incredible how she was able to span so many genres. I mean, there's obviously uh, hip hop and R&B um, infused on this, but she raps. I mean, the song I just referenced, oh my God, Britt, she's rapping mm-hmm. pretty much the whole time. She has Her funk song. on this. She has some really like sexual songs. She's, she's all over the map and it all sounds really great. I think my only like critique of it would be a little long, a little bit bloated, but for an artist who's still like fairly young in, in her career, um, I, I don't not going to deduct too many points from that. And I think just her ability to uh, take her vision and take all these different genres and find different flourishes for each little thing. You know, it, the beginning of the album is probably my favorite um, where you have Homemaker, NBPQ, you have Oh My God, Brit, Selfish Soul, like a bunch of just like bangers right off the top. But as you get even further down, songs like Milk Me, Freakalizer, <laughs> uh, Do Your Thing, Refreshing Springs, like just there's songs all over this that and it's varied, but it all still feels so cohesive. Really impressive album. Yeah, totally. Uh, really hard to compare to really anything else this year. A- absolutely. Uh, so my number nine. One second is the Beth's expert in a dying field. Dave, how does it feel to be an expert in a dying field? Well, the best are going to tell you all about it on this excellent album. Um, the best podcasting, were... not a dying field. We're no. good. <laughs> podcasting <laughs> is fucking strong, bro. Um, the best nice after pick. their first album. We were very all in on them. And the second album didn't really hit. So no. we were I, I wouldn't say we had high expectations for Expert in a Dying Field, but it's like a true return to form for them. And I feel like even a level up for the best, you know, I, from their like ability to craft these songs that not only feel uh, like pretty true to rock and you know you can call us alternative but there's moments on this that are just pure rock you know like there's some really uh strong guitar solos on the back half of some of these songs in in in, uh some songs they're kind of calling back to like the cranberries in terms of sound some of them even sound like the ramones at times in terms of what they're going for so there's a lot of like rock elements all over this but just like the stickiness of some of these choruses and some of these melodies is just really really impressive and it, for for my money, and if you want to like say what was like the most like pleasurable rock album you listened to this year, I'd probably say the best, just because it's it's one of those ones that's like feel good for the most part, um, and just delivered on all cylinders. The band was firing completely, and I just really enjoyed it. And when we first reviewed it, this came out earlier in the year. Well, not earlier in the year, only a few months ago, actually. September feels longer ago. Um, I wasn't sure that this was going to make my list, but as I was going through, it just felt like I couldn't leave it off. So really, really pleased to have the best back in their, their usual form. Um, Dave, you're number eight. Number eight for me, Charlie XCX Crash, an album that wasn't sure if it was going to make my list when I first heard it, because this was the Charlie album that probably was the least surprising or at least like openly um surprising compared to her past track record the standard she has set for herself as this uh genre pushing pop artist that's pretty well established at this point we've talked about her past work but the more i thought about it i was like you know it is just like 
I think really cool that Charlie XCX also has it in her still to make a quote conventional pop star pop album as her last album on her Atlantic Records deal, an album or a record deal she had had for like almost 15 years. And like the, just the fact that it's like this not so subtle middle finger to her label. And it's like, hey, you see all this like conventional, like more uh, mainstream appealing stuff? I had that in me the whole time. But I just don't like making that shit. So, you know, suck it. And I still just really dig a ton of these songs. I think a big part of this was I did see this uh, tour and seeing some of these songs live really helps with that. But I'm right off the jump with Crash. I love uh, Good Ones. The lead single is really engaging. But I think for me, like songs like Baby and Yuck, just really, really sticky. And even songs that like on the surface, like they didn't like impress me because like the star power of the guests didn't match my expectations songs like new shapes with christine the queens and carolyn polachek or mm. beg for you with rena sawayama being a little bit further removed from like my initial feelings of those songs but actually like they're still pretty good like the singing is still like really great on those songs and then of course you have used to know me which was one of my top five most played songs of the year on spotify the flip of robin s's show me love obviously an incredibly storied sample but mm-hmm man like when charlie does it it's, it's a damn banger and i think it says a lot that you can stand out at a show me love sample in a year where beyonce very famously also did the same thing mm-hmm. with break my soul so yeah man uh charlie xcx crash number eight and uh yeah didn't know if it was going to get here because i'm a big charlie fan but i still have high high expectations for her but yeah i think overall i still have really positive feelings about the album i was wondering if this was going to make your list as i was going through it was one that I didn't find myself going back to all that often, especially compared to some of Charlie's other stuff. But um, I knew how much you loved it. I knew that you saw the tour. So I'm glad that, that you talked about it. And definitely, uh, it, it feels like every time she puts something out, there's something worth talking about with it, which is why she's such a great artist. Mm-hmm. Um, let's keep it moving, though, to my number uh, eight of this year, which is the Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's Cool It Down. Wow. Uh, back-to-back female-led nice. rock bands uh, on my list. But the AAS hadn't released an album in nine years. And they come back with an album that is fully formed, completely sounds uh, like they're reinvigorated, but also still true to who they've been as a um, as a band all along. Um, we talked about the AAS uh, twice this year, not only with this album, but also talking about uh, Meet Me in the Bathroom uh, documentary that came out a few weeks ago. Um, and Karen O, she's just still fucking has it, man. Like right off the bat, the song with uh, Perfume Genius uh, sitting, uh, sitting, spitting off the edge of the world. My apologies. Um, and then Love Bomb, Wolf, Into Fleas, like Into Burning, like those first five songs just absolutely rip. Blacktop is this uh, like very like introspective and like reflective song from Karen O. And then you kind of finish out strong with Different Today and Mars. It's only 32 minutes it's only eight songs and it is just excellent from start to finish can't recommend this highly enough did you even think about this one for your list i know you liked it no i did like it but no i didn't i didn't really think about it um shout the aes shout out karen O. uh really cool comeback see it's so confident so successful an album they really threw together in a short amount of time as well uh we just talked about the New York rock scene documentary Meet Me in the Bathroom, which features the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs extensively. And while we were not fans of the quality of that doc, I think the legacy of Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs is still uh, 
going strong, which is which is a good feeling. Absolutely. Dave, keep, let's keep it going. What's next on your list? Yes, next on my list, number seven would be Brent Fias, Wasteland. Mm, the king of male R&B, my guy. And the thing is, I was like, huh, I did have Brent on my songs list last year with Gravity. At the time, was just a loose single. Number two on my list last year. Turns out it was actually the very, very lead single to this uh, album, Wasteland. An album that went number one, despite Brent's status as an independent artist. Very cool to see. I think for me, just like R&B music, especially on the male side of things these days, it you know, it can, it can, it can sound samey to me quite often. And I think the reason I've gravitated towards Brent the past few years is his artistic vision in the R&B space is just like so evident and it feels like so much beyond his peers, especially on the male side. And that just really like levels him above like, you know, his competition to me. Um, I think in this, you know, his case, it's much more of a, a more toxic side of R&B and the lyrical side of things. But like, I thought the skits on this album were incredibly compelling. His singing too, like I think people know this from you know like the Baby Keem feature, for example. But like, there's an infectiousness to the way he sings that can like feel incredibly catchy, even when he's not trying to make catchy music, which I think goes a long way. It just kind of speaks to how he sounds. And I mean, one of the biggest like moments of like euphoria to me with music this year would be on Price of Fame off this album, where. The song starts out with Brent vocally pitched way up, and then there's a beat flip about 90 seconds in, and Brent's vocals get pitched back down all the way to his actual normal voice, but the production also follows suit, and it was just like just kind of like a mind-blowing like studio magic type thing to me. Really love that. And just in general, I think his his singing, his his lyrical vision, just really compelling to me. It's a long record, probably too long, but overall, I, I just I can't help but just be a huge fan of his. And like, I just don't like see like any like comparable peer on the male side of R and B right now. Like, he's just running the show. I knew that you loved this Brent Fias album. I'm I'm glad to see it on your list. Um, you know, definitely worth talking about. It didn't make my list, but I, when I saw it, I was like, ah, it's a worthy album. For sure. Um, well, I'm going to keep it moving to my next album. So I, I talked about Sudan Archives already as uh, my number seven when you had mm-hmm. her at number nine. Do you want to do your number seven? Uh, my number seven was Brent. So go ahead. Oh, okay. So I'll go. I'll move forward to number six then for me, which is Black Country New Road. Ants from up there. Uh, R.I.P., you know, man. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because the band continues, but Isaac Wood does not, at least for now. Um, the, the door is open for a return, which I, I hope happens. But listening to this album when we did and, and we knew that he was leaving, I think they announced it shortly after um, or maybe even like right before the album came out. Yeah, but right before just listening to it further and, and knowing that this is actually like they're moving forward in a different space. They've talked about doing like film scores for their next uh, album. So they're always doing something new. This album just feels so like melancholy in a sense. You know, a lot of the the brass and the and the horn section on this just feels so almost like grieving in a way but man the album from start to finish just grabs you and takes you along for this really wonderful ride and you know whether it's a song like concord which is a little bit more of like a, a classic 
sounding uh you know whatever this baroque uh rock sound or if it's a song like goodwill hunting which is a little bit more like twindly and and spindly in terms of its sound they just always make it work and they build in these flourishes that you're just like i did not expect them to go there um but you really love it and i think this this was a uh big step forward for the group and i was really excited to hear it and now i'm just wondering what what they'll be i'm sure it will still, still be something interesting i just don't know if we'll like it as much without what it at the the center of it so i wanted to talk about them and give them some props that that whole scene you know as we were talking about mm-hmm. call me in the bathroom a few weeks ago i was thinking like what would be like the scene people are talking about yeah, now for british Rockin'? post-punk man it's really British. it it's yeah. really it um so yeah answer from up there my number six of the year dave what's next for you uh yep so number six for me would be kung fu kenny himself kendrick lamar mr morale and the big steppers just missed my list yeah Last time around, Kendrick was number one on my list with Dan way back in 2017. Now, Those were the days. this is an album that I didn't revisit as much as I was expecting to. That's why it's a little further down the list. But I really couldn't keep Kendrick off the list entirely because I just have a lot of ad- admiration for the kind of album this is. We talked about this album extensively when it came out. We talked about it again when we did our Kendrick Lamar album rankings. But once again, to reiterate, I think Kendrick's decision to openly like bare his soul and be as inward looking publicly as he's ever been before on a record goes a long way for me especially because when he peels back the the curtain when he you know cuts the onion a little bit (laughs) he shows that he is perhaps more of a prickly and less likable person than you might think and he's aware of that himself, and he wants to share that with everyone else in his music. And I just find that incredibly admirable. And, you know, only so many artists could find a way to do that and make that compelling. And, you know, I mean, there's there's, <laughs> there, there's so many lines to dissect, whether you like what he's saying or not. And, again, we went into this before, but um, I think just overall I have a lot of admiration for, like, the the goals of this album. You know, even if stuff like we cry together with taylor page not something i ever want to hear again you know oh you don't but in other moments you know like mother i sober for example it's incredibly illuminating you know um it doesn't quite have the breadth of re-listenable bangers the way you be thought on his much more mainstream and conventionally appealing damn but you, know, you still have die hard with blast which i think is great and 95 is a banger in the vein of dna and of course father time has an amazing sampha feature sampha's had a few great features this year we're really hoping for a new sampha record um the ghost face verse on purple hearts is awesome not that i want want to admit it but even kodak black was pretty good on silent hill (laughs) hard part five another great entry in the heart series you know i think it's really hard for kendrick to give you something that just doesn't have so much going on and so many ways to find compelling that even when he releases an album that is not conventionally appealing to the masses, there's still so much to dig into. So yeah, Kendrick for me, number six. 
great choice great choice dave i'm just gonna let you keep it rolling to your number five we got a little bit out of order i think your number five we actually talked about though right my number five is pusha yeah pusha okay so i'll keep it going to mine which is spoon lucifer on the sofa and it's funny to have black country new road and spoon back to back on my best album rankings because two i think really great rock groups with completely different rock styles that post-punk uh very loose very uh interpretive vibe of the answer from up there is completely the opposite of lucifer on the sofa and, and spoon in general as a band is just completely tight and uh well rehearsed and just everything is planned out perfectly and that comes through so clearly on lucifer on the sofa and spoon as a group you know it's funny because i they really like broke through in the 2000s and even the late 90s for some of their early stuff but they have just somehow found this way to like continue making really compelling really interesting and just well-crafted albums from they want my soul in 2014 one of my favorite albums from that year and a really well-reviewed album to lucifer on the sofa which is completely the opposite of that and just completely back to their roots with these hard guitars this like very uh almost like funky like uh these licks all throughout whether it's on held that like opening guitar that just kind of pulls you in kind of uh, keeps you throughout to the hardest cut, which is more like driving and like really rock feeling to something later on, like on the radio, which is a little bit more poppy and fun. They really just delivered completely on this. And I've, it, one of my favorite albums from earlier in the year uh, dropped uh, beginning of February. So uh, lasted all throughout the year for me. And Spoon, just one of my favorite bands. And if you can see them live, highly recommend it. Um, what's next for you, Dave? Yep, number four for me, Love Costs But the Game Free, Vince Staples, Ramona Park, Broke My Heart. Man, <laughs> this was an album that I was so happy that it was what it was, because less than a year uh, prior to this album coming out earlier this year, we got Vince Staples' self-titled album. And that was an album that I think, conceptually, was really interesting with Vince going down a more understated, mellower uh, vocal performance lane. His flow is different, not what he had done in the past. And I think production-wise, it just wasn't really engaging enough, uh, at least not on like the, the level of other Vince works. And then he quickly follows that up, you know, that, that feedback, quote-unquote, with Ramona Park Broke My Heart, which takes this new side of Vince as a performer, but just matches it with League's better production led by people such as uh, DJ Mustard, who was on two of these songs. And I think hearing Vince do perhaps a more melodic thing at times, it's actually kind of revelatory because we know what he can give us lyrically, what, you know, he can find almost humorous ways to shed light on a really dark past that he had. Uh, and yet, when you hear it on, you know, mustard bounce on magic or uh Ro rose street or sorry or bang that you know it just sounds so good you hear vince on lemonade with ty dollar sign where he's really kind of matching ty mm -hmm. with that melodic performance you know uh I, I, I just really love this record because i think it really showed that vince wanted to take a creative step 
forward in terms of how he was as a rapper. And he was able to do that uh, on, you know, I guess second time's the charm kind of deal. He's able to do that with, I think, a really compelling album with a lot of really memorable songs. I love Slide. I love Paper Cuts. I love DJ Quick. Um, yeah. Uh, Rose Street. I think it's great. And yeah, as high as possible on Vince these days. Yeah, that really great album. Another one that just missed mine. I think we'll be talking about him again when we do our best songs list a little sneak mm-hmm. peek for you. So we'll uh, we'll get to that. I'm going to keep it rolling to my number four, Dave, which Sudan Archives absolutely put out one of the most unique and uh, indescribable albums of the year. Rosalia was right behind her, and I think even mm-hmm. did it better with how tight Moto Mami is because yeah. number three this, for me. This album is just. I listened to it again in preparation for this, and I was just blown away again at her ability to take the all these different parts of herself, her Latin roots, take this hip hop and uh, leaning sound, take this R and B leaning sound, put it all together, and make these catchy songs and. Uh, I don't. I know very little Spanish, so I don't even know what she's saying a lot of time. And I'm just grooving along and find myself dancing to it. And she's just, she's just an amazing artist, and really loved mm-hmm. this album. Why is it your number three? Oh yeah, I mean, same thing, right? Like I, I didn't want to mention Rosalia before, but like the obvious comparison point with Student Archives was Rosalia this yeah. year. And I mean, it was such a, I think, a revelatory album because she just took such a like extended leap after having all this critical love and attention in 2018 with the last record came out. But to go from someone who's like, you know, innovating on like Spanish flamenco music, which is not a, you know, mainstream genre by any means to continue doing that, but also just bring in so much more Latin pop and reggaeton and Dembo and all these other sounds and, and genres and give you this, I think incredibly compelling vision for its vastness and she's able to do it all the entire time i think it was a really fulfilling thing for anyone who'd been paying attention to her as an artist for some time where there was starting to maybe creep in some doubt about whether she would just kind of go down the conventional side of things after she made that like random single with jay balvin for example it's like ah like we think there's more with rosalia are we gonna get it after el mal carrer and we did with moto mommy um and then on top of that she releases a loose song, Despecha, which becomes mm-hmm. a huge TikTok hit, throws it on the deluxe for Moto Mommy Plus. Why not? What you a know, beast. Just a flex, honestly. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think it's just really tremendous. Um, definitely, you can make a case for it easily to be the best number one album of the year, I think, for sure. Um, and I, I just remember like when I first heard it back in, what was that, April? Uh, March, end of March. I mean, it was, I think, one of those like mind-blowing things where it's like, wow, even if you're a Spanish speaker, you need to listen to this multiple times because there's just so much going on. Yeah, you know, it's funny because, like, probably one of my favorite, like, line deliveries is just how she says, you're cute! Like, <laughs> and you think about that compared to something like Chicken Teriyaki or um, La Fama, and it's just, mm-hmm. like, no song is, like, just like the other there's there's through lines that tie them together but she is just like so experimental and formless in terms of genre on this and like you said she's kind of pulling in all these other influences from her past work but just completely leveling up um really impressive album and it just makes me really excited to see what's next for her also great co-sign for her getting the weekend to come sing on a a track with Mm -hmm. her which i thought was another strong one la fama completely uh completely nailed that one too so 
Moto Mommy, my number four, your number three. So that brings me to my number three album of the year, which is Surrender by Maggie Rogers. I knew you had this. Yeah, anyone that listened to uh, our review of this knew that I loved this album. And I'm just so excited because Maggie, Maggie Rogers has been a almost like anointed after everything with, uh, you know, her at NYU with Pharrell playing the Alaska track. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I felt like, you know, her in a past life. It, it, it did OK. Right. And then you had a couple of, you know, a couple other songs come out, notes from the archive recordings, just like a couple other songs, but nothing like nothing I felt like had broken through as like, okay, Maggie's here. Like this is who she can be as an artist. And she comes back after the pandemic, took some time to go get a degree in, in philosophy or uh, what it is, something religion based. Uh, I think it was from Harvard or something like that. And she just completely leans into this 90s sound on this. And, you know, from, it feels like biting off, elements of Beck to elements of like Alanis Morissette. Um, she brings her songwriting and song crafting and this more hardened rock sound. And it just completely works, whether it's the first track overdrive, which feels like a, a almost like a postal service, like track in some senses at times to um, horses, which is more like ballady and, and uh, you know, emotional to um i've got a friend which is a complete acoustic song but i think is really moving like she just nailed all the elements on this my favorite track which was one of the only songs i considered putting on um a uh, best song list as well because i'm trying to vary it up was want want which i think is just a complete masterpiece of the song so maggie rogers she's here get used to it making fucking awesome mm-hmm. music we're down to our top two dave i wonder if we have the same top two what's your number two my number two is the 1975 being fired in foreign language fucking yeah my number okay, two we, as well we have the same top two yeah we, we did not consult any of this by the way no um yeah man i think it's more less surprising that i have this here but you have come a long way with our english rockers maddie healy and the boys you've come a long way with this group Um, and I think a big part of that was accepting that they are a pop group first, not the saviors of rock, as people were saying in 2018. Right. And once you let that go, I think you can just really let loose with the just absurd lyrics that these guys (laughs) do all the time. Maddie is one of the most compelling. Maddie's one of the most compelling frontmen and vocalists, like in pop to me, like he's just so funny He's polarizing, he's controversial, he's all those things. And he knows he's all those things. He talks about it in his music, you know? It is so, so fucking good. You know, woman, you are 64 years old. Uh, man, I love this record. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah you, you hit the nail on the head. You know, for me, as someone that um, has... I, I think it's, they've slowly grown on me. You know, there, there's been songs and tracks that I've really liked. This was probably the first album that start to finish. I was just completely blown away by and not only by like how like snappy and poppy these songs are. And they, they really just grab you right from the get go on this album. But just how, like you said, Maddie really infuses so much of his personality in here, but in such a way that doesn't feel like some of the other albums where it felt a little bloated or meandering or listless at times like this is just tight and 
probably one of my favorite tracks on this isn't even one of the more popular ones it's about you um Hmm, which is the second to last track but i just think it's like a completely beautiful like heartachy love song and he whether he's delivering these like this lower register on that with uh I i forgot who he's duetting on that song but it's just a beautiful combination to a song like i'm in love with you which is so like poppy and fun i know i think you were a big fan of uh, oh caroline right if i remember correctly my favorite song is part of the band Hmm. for sure um which i think says a lot because normally i'm not i'm not a fan of like slower softer stuff usually but i'm just so compelled by i think both the songwriting of this group and just maddie's vocal performance like i I just find him very engaging love part of the band i love happiness i love wintering Hmm. uh you know it even has like a funny outro you know uh central park is sea world for trees or whatever yeah. he says you know <laughs> uh just, just so much so much fun to revisit i think it, it's such a clear step forward from the 2020 album notes on a conditional form and yeah man people shit on jack antonoff us included often but sometimes uh that guy knows what to do yeah, man. I mean, we uh, Midnight's not going to make either one of our lists, but another album that we felt like Jack really delivered on this year as well. And, you know, the fact Taylor's still making a compelling album like that this far in their career is really impressive. Um, what was that line? I take my coffee like I take my men oh, full of soy yeah. and, you know, oh, so, yeah, it's a great so sweet that they can't like be offended or something like that. Yeah, can't don't offend anybody or something. Yeah, it's something yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> But that's the thing. He can so convincingly, so authentically communicate these ridiculous one-liners, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's just, I think, such an appeal of Maddie as a performer to me. Um, yeah, man, I, I mean, I never expected to have like 1975 so high in the list, but I just thought as soon as I heard this this fall, I was like, yeah, it's like undeniable like how great this one was. Yeah uh yeah the fact that it's my number two i think speaks to that because oh, yeah. i'd find any reason not to put him up there but like you said that means we have the same number one uh dave what is it beyonce renaissance yep. this yeah. was a lock as soon as we heard renaissance <laughs> uh and that's because renaissance really exceeded expectations beyonce sets a very high bar for herself and yet she found a way i think to surprise and compel in many ways her first traditional album rollout in like eight years, been a minute, you know? And you know what? It was for good reason. And I think it's really funny to see like this record start the take off with some hits, you know, Cuff It, which was a song that we both loved as soon as we heard it, but took a little minute to become a TikTok hit, is a TikTok hit now, got the Grammy nom. Great. But this is an album that's so much more than like any one song, and that's why. I I don't have it on my song, any of the songs on my songs list, but we have the album and album of the year because I think like the vision that Beyonce brought were bringing you this really intentional dance and disco and ballroom record that is super loving and uh, empathetic and supportive and indebted to like ballroom culture of the past, specifically queer dance culture of the past which has been a big part of Beyonce growing her star and a big part of her continued success and see like Beyonce pay that forward with such a cohesive, really thoughtful and genuine attempt at a completely new genre for Beyonce. That's what like really like, like nailed it home for me, you know, Drake, honestly, never mind. 
we commend, commend the attempt, Drake trying to do something new, you know, Jersey Club. Great. He just didn't deliver lyrically or vocal vocally on that. But at least he tried something. But Beyonce completely nailed something completely new. And it doesn't come across as like carpetbaggery in any way, yep. you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even know if there's much more I can say about it. I think you nailed it. It's just like, you know, you, you go, th- you, you turn this album on, you're like, okay, we're going to get, you know, this Beyonce, you know, you're going to get something good, like you said, but she's really that like A plus student that got like, instead of 100 on a test, like 105, because the teacher was just like, you did so fucking good. Um, it's, it's really nuts to kind of just run through and be like, Alien Superstar, amazing song. Cuff It, amazing song. Break My Soul, like one of the, biggest pop hits of the year um plastic off the sofa virgo's groove like it's just fucking hit after hit and the way that it's crafted it's like you're almost listening to like like a a power hour or something like that or like Mm -hmm. it really feels like you're at a club in some ways you know the way that this is just from start to finish driving you throughout bringing you through beyonce's emotions in a lot of ways it almost feels and i i i hesitate to say like a post-pandemic album because we still are very much in a pandemic but it feels almost like this like ability to like celebrate something new and um it's just like a testament to beyonce and the hold that she has on the culture that she just like drops an album and people are like okay beyonce dropped an album like pandemic is over let's go fucking celebrate let's get to the club and listen to this music and she just she just fucking does that man it's great yeah uh renaissance truly a renaissance for beyonce which she didn't need but she can do yep hats off to her absolute queen um before we wrap up our album segment dave what were some of the albums that disappointed you this year yeah uh great question there are always disappointments not that we want to talk about stuff we didn't like necessarily but it's more about not meeting those expectations and for me uh there are several high profile candidates for most disappointing album of 2022 i'm not going to rank them but I think for me personally, Charlie Puth's Charlie was a gigantic disappointment given the hype I had leading up the long wait since Voice Notes in 2018. The fact that Voice Notes was so great. And Charlie, I think, just really did not compel vocally with the production choices, left a lot to be desired. There were a few moments of brilliance, like Charlie Be Quiet, but overall it was just an album that, you know, I was really excited about, especially because he was seemed to be really in his in his groove, in his bag, being on TikTok, showing his creative process and being like, it's pretty cool, right? Look, watch this hook I just made. Yeah, yeah, this is sticky as fuck. You know it is. I know it is. I'm I'm like a classically trained musician. And yet the album just really fell flat for me, which sucks. Yeah, I, Charlie made my list as well. Um, another one that I had on here, which is probably my biggest disappointment of the year, but just this person in general is a complete disappointment to humanity at the moment. Kanye West, Donda 2. Um, oh, yeah. Maybe this is number one, I think, if you're ranking. Yeah, like for maybe just the worst album that came out this year, period. Just uh, not well produced, not well thought out. Um, the verses are absolute shit. There, there's just nothing to like. Unfinished. Yeah, yeah, there's the, the Migos feature was pretty fun. That's a that's like the only thing I liked about it. You yeah. Know? um yeah not not nothing else there i also had um soccer mommy um sometimes forever i wouldn't say it's a bad album but just one that after some of the other songs like circling the drain things like that you kind of hope soccer mommy's gonna make something a little bit more fully formed and just didn't didn't totally grab me the way i was hoping anything else stand out for you yeah i have a few others uh how about corday earlier in the year i wasn't as low on that as you were yeah 
it's again that's it's like it's like soccer mind. Not that it was bad. I just mm-hmm. kind of wanted maybe something a little different. Yeah. You know, so maybe yep. something that's a little bigger. You know, same thought, right? Uh, Rina Sawayama, uh, hold the girl, burn a boy. I was, I was wondering if you were gonna put Rina on here because you just saw her live and said that the music uh, right. hit a little I, different for you. It did, and I think these are like light, like they're just like I don't even know if disappointment's the right term, or it's more like ah, I just didn't quite like this as much as the last album. Maybe it was a slightly different mm. direction. Yep, it's not bad. It's actually good. It is good. We talked about why it was good at the time. But I think it's just like a slight tweak, you know, like Burna Boy, Love Demini. Still really compelling Afrobeat album. Just wasn't quite as great as Twice as Tall as all, you know. And I think as a listener, you have to perhaps try and remove those biases as best you can so you can appreciate what you actually are listening to in the moment. And I try and do that as much as I can. Uh, also, uh, Christine the Queens, which we just got, Red Car. Um, I don't know if it was necessarily bad. I just, it didn't really engage me the way I was hoping yeah. to after really getting invested in her few years back i put and her and perfume genius in the same category with that where it's like it's not bad but like yeah i like it yeah and not that much yeah and then i think lastly would just be drake would honestly never mind again i think it's kind of a light, a light asterisk because i didn't have any expectations or hype for drake jersey club dance record we didn't even know it was coming out you know mm-hmm. but then when you hear it it's like ah man like great idea doing something new really cool you know it's drake not doing something safe for the first time in a while that's awesome mm-hmm. But he just didn't deliver, I think, vocally or songwriting-wise with, with much consistency. And that's why it it uh, comes up short. And that was the case even before we heard the Beyonce record, which obviously blows it away. So, yeah. yeah. R- really tough for Drake to, like, take this ri- this risk, uh, to try something new and then just have Beyonce, like, a few <laughs> few weeks later, just completely destroy him. Um, well, one that we didn't mention that I definitely want to say is disappointing just because also F this person, uh, M.I.A., um dropping an album for the first time in a while and that album fucking sucked so uh another one where you have all this you you had this long wait to anticipation artists with a storied career for being a innovator and it just kind of feels like everything's passed her by (laughs) she literally made a song that sounded like her her biggest hit but just like worse like it's just kind of incredible to to just like bite off your own stuff and not even improve it in any way um Yeah, I mean, any others you wanted to shout out? I think that's really it, and I think uh, it's a lot of big people, a lot of yeah. people we had expectations on, and there's obviously a spectrum, as we just said, to what a disappointment means with this kind of thing, but uh, yeah, you know, um, I think some of these people will bounce back, some of them maybe not so much. Kanye, MIA, not too sure. <laughs> and before we wrap up, I, I jumped the gun a little bit. Were there any albums that you wanted to shout out that we didn't make our list, but we really liked? Yeah, totally. Um, you had Maggie Rogers. That was honorable mention for me. Yeah. Uh, Freddie Gibbs, Souls, Sold Separately, another great mm-hmm. Freddie record. Like that one. Uh, Jid's Forever Story, honorable mention for me. Uh, Black Thought and Danger Mouse, Cheat Codes. Drake and 21 Savage. Uh, I don't have Her Loss on my albums list. I don't have a Her Loss song on my songs list, but I really love like seven songs on that album. <laughs> um, really, It's really been feeling the fall for me. Uh, also, FKA Twigs, Capri songs. Yeah, as well. You mentioned a lot of them for me, and a lot of the ones that you had on your list also made my, uh, my I did like a top 20, but um, mm-hmm. The Family from Brockhampton was one I wanted to shout yeah, out. I really one. liked that. I think I might talk about that in a little bit. Um, I really liked Wayus Bloods uh, and In the Darkness, Hearts of Glow. Oh, right. Artist that Surprised I, I didn't make your list. I thought that one was, was happening, maybe. Yeah, you know, it, it, 
in terms of like all, I had a lot of rock on my list. It just didn't hit the same as some of those other albums for me. Mm. Um, Pink Venom by Blackpink. Uh, Born uh, Pink, you mean? Yeah, Born Pink. I'm sorry. Uh, mm-hmm. Man, I might just spoil something there. Uh, but Born Pink, definitely um, a uh, album that I think I-, I knocked only for the shortness. And that's kind of a hard part about the K-pop is like, it's going up against these like longer albums. And it's like, oh, it's only six songs. What am I supposed to really make of this in terms of fully mm-hmm. formed albums? Still yeah. like four, four bangers on that. Like just really impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, the Steve Lacey album, yep. uh, the weekend on FM. I really liked, we did our rankings yep. this year. Check that out. And then um, cheat code, danger mouse and black thought. Yep. Really enjoyed oh, that one as well. I should probably mention bad bunny as well. Biggest yeah. album of the year. Uh, didn't make my list, but definitely an honorable mention. I think uh, I think a big part of that is like not to like just immediately put like the two big Spanish records against each other, but like the Rosalia album, I think <laughs> yeah. really compelled me for its its vision and its cohesiveness. Whereas the Bunny album, I think obviously compelled the world for its massiveness. They're just mm-hmm. I think there's two different appeals, and obviously they're they're quite different in terms of the actual music as well. Um, so you know, Bunny didn't make my list. But he made all the year-end uh, streaming lists, so he's still a big winner. The yeah, I completely. I I think you said it perfectly for me. And then um, Earl Sweatshirt made oh, an yeah. album that was pretty good. Good Earl record, yes, it was. Yeah. So uh, that was early in the year. Anyways, we're gonna wrap up our albums there. We'll be moving on to our best songs of the year. So check that out in the comment in the uh, link below, uh, the description below, and we'll see you in a little bit. What's up and welcome back to Nostalgia Best of Best of 2022 Music. Uh, Dave, we just did our best albums of 2022. Now we're talking uh, best songs. But before we do, you know, this year was uh, a big year for K-pop. And we wanted to talk and, and give a little shine to some of our best K-pop projects this year and obviously we do not get to everything but we we do our best to try to get to some of the bigger releases how many did we get to this year yeah we got to a lot and that's why we want to highlight our best k-pop album single and b-side deep cut track and that's because we we covered a lot i think by my count we covered 15 k-pop records in no order we did the girls generation comeback nct 127 chung ha 80s blackpink Nyan Solo, Twice, J-Hope, RM, New Jeans, Itzy, Twice. Hmm. Sorry, we did Itzy twice. <laughs> Espa, Treasure, BB, and Stray Kids. I believe that's everything. And of course, we've been doing this for years in the past as well. So we are trying to cover it as much as we can because it's a exciting and vast genre that also gives us music on a consistent basis. So it's, I think, quite fun to keep up with and compare and contrast as things come out and especially nowadays into the 2020s there's a lot of new groups and groups young in their career that are stepping up as like kind of the next wave of that fourth gen k-pop so it's an exciting time i think to be paying attention so that's why we wanted to uh i think really double down this year yeah you know you mentioned so many did you did you mention rm maybe i missed it yep yeah, we okay. just did that last week. Yeah. Check it out, Indigo. RM. Uh, that that one's been sticking with me. Almost as one of the ones I picked, but we're going to do our be- our favorite albums, or the best album from K-pop, and that as well as our, our best like big song, as well as a, a deeper cut as well. And I'll, I'll actually start 
because this is someone we've talked about a lot. And I mean, what more is there to say about Blackpink finally getting that album? You know, uh, eight, eight songs. Um, so it is an album. I, I put the yeah, yeah, yeahs on my best album list. They only had eight songs as well. So uh, <laughs> putting out the same uh, product or, or same at least uh, length of product as the AAS. But Blackpink, I mean, from the moment we got Pink Venom as a single, it just felt like this was going to be huge. And I will say, surprising that Twice, uh, as a, as a group, it seems to be getting more love, at least through through Spotify metrics yeah. in the United um, States specifically, not in worldwide. the United States. But I I really loved this album. Uh, Pink Venom, excellent. Shut Down is on our Nostalgia Best of 2022 playlist as well because also freaking banger um yep. but even some of the fr- farther ones what were you gonna say oh no i agree yeah shutdown yeah. is huge uh stay tuned for my songs list maybe for <laughs> for more blackpink but uh yeah uh, then right after that you have type of girl yep. you have tally like i think it's exactly what you want from blackpink in terms of their music these big songs these fiery raps from jenny and Lisa, they sound as good as they ever have rapping, I think. Uh, yeah, I uh, Born Pink is probably my al- second album uh, choice for this year. And the, my only demerit is I just wish it was longer. Blackpink is so f- notorious at this point for being very slow and meticulous with how much music they put out there. And I just want to hear more because when they do put it out, it's so fun. It's so good, you know? Absolutely agree. What was your favorite album this year or best album? Yes. So my my number one album, K-pop album of the year, is Nyan's solo debut, I'm Nyan, which really surprised me. She's the first Twice member to go solo. I had no expectations going into this, but really, I think, blew me away with like its like summery aesthetic. I think just sonically, it has this like lighter vibe, but it's still pretty up-tempo and fun. Uh, you know, pop and candy floss, and no problem. Just catchy song after catchy song. I think she sounds great as well, but like it's a perfect match, I think, with the production. So that was one that I think really had a ton of replay value, and I found myself going back to often. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, Nyan was up there for me as well. Actually, as we're moving on to our best songs, Pop was probably my, my best K pop song of this year. I mean, obviously. It has that uh, Christina Aguilera vibe to it of like Candyman, <laughs> but man, um, just so so sticky and fun and upbeat. And in past years, you know, we've talked about artists like Nikki, um, mm. who dropping uh, in the summertime, just an absolutely uh, right. amazing pop song. And this is just in the same lane where it's just so fun to listen to. And every time you put it on, you can't help but smile and like want to dance around and just feel it and. Nyan, uh, I, th- I think that whole album deservedly uh, your best album of the year and pop my number one K-pop song of the year. What's your number one K-pop song of the year? Yep. So my number one would be Blackpink, Shut Down. Spoilers <laughs> for the songs list. Uh, when I heard Pink Venom, I was like, wow, this is great. Really exciting. I'm digging the video. I'm digging the dance practice video. I am hyped for Born Pink. And when you hear Born Pink, Pink Venom followed up with the second single shut down i'm like holy shit they beat themselves i don't know how they did it so quickly but they they leveled up right away again yeah uh, right up there with my probably my favorite blackpink songs uh just so big it's so fun another really cool dance practice video i think those the choreography videos they do are super good super cool and yeah i think lisa and jenny are amazing on this but also like rose 
and Jisoo also kind of flexing, also kind of getting a little mean. It's just it's just so fun to hear them honestly flex. Like I, I that's what I love from them because like they're such rock stars, they're such superstars at this point. And like I want to see like the nice like fun ones like Rose and Jisoo be like, nah, like we fucking got this shit. Like because obviously I expect that from Jenny and Lisa as the rappers, but I think this is really fun. Like the overall like level of bite and like like on that song. So yeah, it was my number two most played song of the year on Spotify. Uh, great song. One of the big reasons why that was my favorite album of K-pop of this year. Um, for for your deeper track, Dave, what do you got? Yeah, so my deeper track is Girls' Generation, uh, Forever One, the comeback album. And off that would be Lucky Like That, which I was like, is that a single? Because it kind of felt like one. It was not. So it qualifies as a deeper cut. Yeah, man, I think just the harmony on that song is like untouchable. It, I think it just, it sounds so good. Like it sounds so majestic the way they all sing together. And I also, we, we reviewed that album really compelling to see like a K-pop group come together again, 15 years after their career, they're on new label deals. Some of them aren't even on the same label anymore to see like a huge story group come back and release something so compelling in that way. Like that album was, uh, I think it's really impressive i love villain off that album as well but i think lucky like that like the vocal performance is like up there probably like one of the best if not the best like k-pop like vocal performances i heard this year absolutely definitely a worthy choice you know one of the biggest uh news stories in k-pop this year was that bts is going to be going on a hiatus as they do their mandatory military service Mm -hmm. um, and planning to reconvene hopefully in 2025 it seems we just talked about rm but one of the most surprising in the best way possible releases from this year was Jack in the Box from J-Hope back in yep. July. And what I found so surprising about it was how much bite and edge it had. And it was more rock infused, almost like 90s, like rock EDM infused. Really interesting. And so my my deep cut is more from Jack in the Box. Uh, a song that starts off with these like just like very sparse, like almost like distant drums. And he just kind of is like gliding over this at the beginning. And then it really like starts to rev up around the chorus. And he goes into this like distorted, like um, I I don't even know exactly how to describe it. It sounds like he's like singing down a hallway in a sense, but he's like screaming and it's just so intense. And I just love the vibe of this song. Mm -hmm. One of one of the most surprising K-pop songs that I listened to this year. And when I found myself going back to a lot more than others. Totally. I think if there was like a best surprise category or biggest surprise, it would definitely be him because J-Hope was famous for being the top dancer in BTS. Mm -hmm. You know, he was not known for doing a ton of the writing and production the way RM was. He was not known for uh, this really high register like Jimin. You know, he was he had his lane. He was part of the crew, you know, and yet I think that's why to me it was like so compelling. It's like, wow, there's like so much more under the hood here and yes he had some solo workout before but like yeah it was really compelling i think technically more is actually a single but we'll let it slide it's a good pick good record so yeah i think the takeaway is there was a lot of compelling and variety across k-pop this year and i'd expect that to continue as the genre continues to evolve it's very fun to keep up with definitely very fun to keep up with dave we're gonna go on to our top 10 songs of this year before we do, I just wanted to ask, we, we did a little preamble before the album, just kind of talking about our experience. When you were choosing songs, obviously we're uh, trying not to overlap with our best albums list as much as possible. 
what was your experience picking out like the best songs of this year for you? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think overall, it feels a lot less populist when you make a songs list if you want it to be. Like, I think it's just a lot easier to get there, you know, because a lot of the big hits are really concentrated from a few artists, a lot of older albums as well, as we talked about before. So if you're trying to make a song list of songs that are from this year, not necessarily going to be the biggest songs of the year, you know? So I think I was just trying to make an interesting list that, you know, I think that you, you have to, you have to make a compelling list first and foremost, but, um, and not overlapping with the albums is an extra thing we put on ourselves. But yeah, I just kind of like, I pick songs I think made sense to me um, that really grabbed me for one reason or another and also stuck with me since I heard them. So kind of a general approach, but, you know, I think generally people know like, TikTok knows how to make a hit for various reasons, whether it's gimmicky or not. Um, doesn't mean the song is always great, but sometimes it is a great song. I have a song on here that is a TikTok hit, but I mean, I heard it the day it came out. I was a fan right away. So TikTok, we just add a bonus for other people to find the song. You know, it all depends on how you approach these things. Yeah. Um, I, I feel very similar in terms of my approach to the songs list. In past years, I mentioned this on the albums, but in past years, it feels like there's a few songs that rise to the top more than others. And this year, I feel like, you know, I was trying to decide, is this a song that I really, really love or a song that just got stuck in my head because I was on TikTok so much this year? Um, And in doing that, a few of the songs I initially had, I moved off something like Lizzo's About Damn Time, um, which I actually... Uh, when I get to the song I replaced it with, I will explain why. Um, but it, I think in looking through what I ended up with, it's a lot more of a mix than my my albums list. A lot different, a lot more different genres, um, and a lot of heavy hitters in terms of artists um, mm. that I I think didn't make the best projects in terms of full length albums this year, but had just a couple of tracks that i really really wanted to highlight so i'm looking forward to getting into it um dave will you allow me to start yeah go ahead number 10 for me Rockhampton's the ending because that willie hutch sample is just the best sample of the fucking year like yep. <laughs> honorable mention for me great choice when i was going when i was going through the list i like had a few at, at my number 10 spot uh, a few that didn't make my list like antihero by taylor swift Kalani's Wish I Never, um, a few a few tracks I was kind of going between. And then as I was like scrolling through, I saw the ending and I played it. And the, the second that Willie Hutch sample comes in, that let me be the one, I just was like, yep, let's fucking go. Um, and not only that, but Kevin, um, very like reflective on that track. The second verse, especially kind of talking about monetizing his friendships and how that's really uh impacted him and and Brockhampton as a group and kind of like wondering like if if he can kind of get back to where they were um so not only a song that has an amazing sample probably the most Kanye West song like old school Kanye West song of the year um and obviously we love Kanye on this but also a track with meaning and that whole album uh the family I think worth talking about but the ending was the one that stood out for me from that so that's my number 10 of the year what do you got number 10 Yep, number 10 of the me, uh, number 10 on the year for me, best songs of 2022. Just talked about this in our K-pop breakout, Blackpink, mm-hmm. Shut Down. My second most played song on Spotify this year. 
really became a gigantic Blackpink fan the lead up to Born Pink this year. And after hearing Pink Venom and being so compelled and so excited for the album to come out, and you hear the album and the second single, the second song is even bigger and better than Pink Venom, which was already so big and compelling and fun. It really been sending me still. I love the song. I love the video. I love the dance practice video. I think Jenny and Lisa, probably their best rap verses they've ever done on any of their songs. They sound so great. Like, like I know they don't, they don't write their songs. They're not like true rappers like that, but they have like really good flow for people that have picked it up. And it's just so fun. And as I said before, I love that Rose and Jisoo also are bringing like some bite and some like, like flexing to the songs because they're usually like the, the nicer vocalist quote unquote. So yeah, in terms of like just a massive pop banger, I, it's hard for me to compare it to much else. I love the song. Yeah. Um, we, we talked about why we love Blackpink, but the second those strings come in and then you get their Blackpink in your area, it's just, you're, <laughs> it, you're fucking done, dude. The whole, they're, you're in for the rest of the song and you're just, uh, it's just amazing how they were able to make a second Bunch of song. Wannabes that want to be me. Me three <laughs> if I was you. Like, say just less. incredible, incredible stuff. Um, I'm going to keep it rolling to my number nine song of the year, which is the Arctic Monkeys body paint. Um, okay. I, ha- I had to shout them out somehow. We got an Arctic Monkeys album this year, similar to Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino, a, a, a kind of continuing this jazz lounge singer feel. But Body Paint was one of the tracks that really stood out to me for, I think, infusing a little bit more of that Arctic Monkeys, that old Arctic Monkeys charm. Um, the first half of the song is like this like waltz, ballady song, but then in the middle it flips and the guitars come in and, uh, you know, after this like piano buildup and it's just this really wonderful moment and you get Alex Turner being at his most Alex Turnery, just like singing body paint on your legs and on your arms and the guitars are going you're like ah you know you can get a little bit of uh, arctic monkeys when when you want to but um they're they're not quite the same monkeys that they used to be that's for sure but body paint a nice callback for me um so my number nine of the year arctic monkeys body paint dave i I know that didn't make your list what's your number nine (sighs) pat it's me hi i'm the problem it's me what honorable mention for me as i already said Yep, Taylor Swift, Antihero, lead single, big single off Midnight's, her album of two months ago, her 10th record. Did you Man. put this on because you also think people are sexy babies and you're <laughs> a monster on the hill? That's a Matt Healy line, dog. It is. Pat, did you hear my covert narcissism? I disguise altruism. Like some kind of congresswoman, man, whatever. It's actually a really great line. It is. I, I think it's like the most quintessential Taylor Jack song. Like, it's just, it's all those qualities that they have together. Like, I think people have compared it to Blank Space, like, sonically. It doesn't reach those highs. That's one of the best Taylor songs, obviously. But it to me, it's like the clear highlight of Midnight's. Maybe it's not the most interesting song on the album. We reviewed the album extensively. Check that out. But, like, to me, like, it's just the most easy to re- uh, revisit. And it's such an obvious showcase for, like, the qualities of Taylor Swift, which is that songwriting that's effortless songwriting and i think jack really brings the best out of her with matching that production and helping her like you know hone those lyrics and stuff like uh, it, it, it's one of her catchiest songs in in a long time mm-hmm. yeah uh, there's there's not much more to say about it it's really just 
Taylor in her bag. Um, and the way that she's able to write these songs with lyrics that are pretty like thoughtful, meaningful, and, and uniquely written compared to other pop songs, but still make it so palatable and, and fun to listen to is just such a testament to her songwriting. Uh, great choice. Keeping it going. This was the song I replaced Lizzo with. Uh, Jesse Ware's Free Yourself. Uh, we didn't mm-hmm. talk about this song. Jesse Ware hasn't released a project this year, just a single. But back in 2020, Jesse Ware's uh, What's Your Pleasure was an under the radar uh, cl- uh, critical darling of an album. And so Jesse Ware, an artist I've been aware of, and Free Yourself might be the best disco song of this year. You know, and and we that that comes in a year where we had Renaissance, where you know there's this great disco dance album that we just put all, both put at number one in our albums list. Check that out in the link uh, in the description. But Free Yourself is just so much more like joyous than About Damn Time to me, and it just has a a better hook. Um, and the way Jesse Ware performs this, it's like so emotional and powerful and just makes you want to get out of your seat and dance and i was just completely blown away by it if you haven't listened to this definitely a track i recommend uh you listen to and it's on our nostalgia best of 2022 playlist so check it out there let's keep moving dave what's number eight for you number eight for me jackson wang cruel Mm. another another big surprise for me the Got Seven alum, K-pop alum, but Jackson Wang with his album Magic Man, and Cruel was one of the singles for it. Really surprising with a genuine and convincing foray into more rock music from a K-pop artist. And I think the songs Blow and Cruel in particular are just, I think, really compelling because the Jackson vocal performance, I think, is like super enthusiastic and you have like these huge guitars and these big drums and it was it unlike like like any i think anything i really heard this year too because like i don't know i just think like the the energy he brought vocally matching with this production like really surprised me and i definitely found myself revisiting cruel a lot um and yeah i much more to say i think it's just a it's a catchy song but it's also i think a really surprising one too Great choice, Dave. Um, going from a song that is big and loud and over the top a bit to a song that is quite understated with Joji's A Glimpse of Us. One of the maybe surprising like hits of this year. Um, Joji definitely. Joji is a complete, uh, a completely like popular artist at this point, very much in the culture. But the fact that he puts out this song that is so so like melancholy and sad and just like down and it's something that blows up on tiktok it blows up on uh the charts it's just a testament to joji's talent and you think about what made joji so great in the past it was making these songs that you just didn't expect and had these really big moments and just like totally overstimulating and glimpse of us is just completely him in his feels with a piano and uh, a couple of uh, voice loops uh, for harmony and he just absolutely crushes it and um, even though that album um, smithereens was not one that i even considered for uh, my top 20 of this year i think there's still a lot to like in there and i think joji as an artist just continues to grow so 
looking forward to what's next for him mm-hmm. and glimpse of us is uh, a nice addition to his catalog for sure yeah De- definitely the most shocking top 10 hit of the year without yeah. question definitely what's next for you yes next for me would be number seven nikki back on the song list for the second year in a row yes high school in jakarta yes off her great one third album nicole I had her song last year, Every Summertime on the List. You did as well, a song that really came out of nowhere for us as a cut off the Shang-Chi Marvel soundtrack that 88 Rising uh, oversaw. And it was an infectious bubblegum bop song, the best song she had ever made. And I was like, wow, should have saved this for your album, but I'm still glad you put it out. It's an amazing track. And now we got her uh, third album, Nicole, which was, I think, really notable for Nikki once again showing a new sonic direction for her still young career she's done so much you know in terms of more traditional r&b and more synth pop in the past but on this album you know probably her most personal yet but to me high school in jakarta is like perhaps the best songwriting she's ever done like i find it incredibly catchy on the hook but also really illuminating like and i was watching a lot of the live video of the tour she just did and it was really cool to see like these enthusiastic crowds that she was performing from like really love this song and this song was a bit even livelier uh, in performance which was really cool to to watch i would definitely love to see her live sometime um yeah it's like you know i was really aware i was like oh man do i really put the same artist on my songs list two years in a row but i mean it, it definitely was one of those songs that you know when i first heard the lyrics i was like really really impressed with and it definitely stuck around i, th- I think again like the hook the chorus of this song is like really incredible yeah, Nikki's great, and her song crafting is just impeccable. Um, really excited to see what's next for her. And that, that, that was one that I had considered for my list, so I'm glad to see it on yours. Dave, I'm, I'm going to talk about an artist that was on your top 10 list. Vince Staples, Ramona Park, Broke My Heart, major top 10. Number six? Number four. Number four. Well, Magic from that is my favorite song and is my number six of this year um just so bouncy and fun floating to the ceiling is this magic mm-hmm. like, Love costs, I, but the game like, free baby uh it's it's just such a return to what we love about vince you know like if you could have told me this was off big fish theory and it would have made sense like this is just him in his bag and he absolutely crushes this mustard with an amazing beat um I, I think you talked about it better than I I'm, I am right now, but it's just a song that every time I hear it, I can't turn it off. I have to hear it all the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, and not many songs I can say made me feel that way this year. Yeah. So my number six, the best example uh, off Ramona Park broke my heart. The best example of Vince doing this new direction with his performance and his new flow, more understated mellower style. But this is arguably the best version of that because you still hear it on this very lively, uplifting production from Mustard. Yeah, it's an amazing song. Yeah, that, that flow switch up in, in the middle is really great by Vince. Just impressive. So what's what's next for you, though? What's your number six? Okay, number six for me, Rina Sawayama. Yes. Imagining, or sorry, the song is Imagining. Yes. I almost picked This Hell. I thought about it. I think if you looked at the list, more public list, This Hell probably is a catchier song to put on here. I was thinking about it more, and I love this hell. Awesome country pop throwback song. But I was thinking about it more, I was like, you know what? Imaginings the song off Hold the Girl that excited me the most because it was the most similar to her past work. 
on Sawayama, you know, imagining is Rina doing a bit of hyperpop a little bit, doing her best Charlie XCX impression. I just saw this song perform live on the Hold the Girl tour, and it was really fucking hype. Loved it. And uh, yeah, you know, I think the Hold the Girl album didn't quite live up to, uh, albeit high expectations, given the first record. That being said, still a lot of things to like about it. To me, this is like one of the most exciting things she did on that album. And in general, just an artist I still find incredibly compelling. Great, great choice. We love Rina on this program. They have another artist that we love. It's Rico Nasty. And one of the most unique songs this year that I, I it's a song that plays in my head just randomly. Gots to get paid. Gots to get paid. Yep. Armor match it for me. Let's go. It's so fucking good from like the like uh, automated like countdown three, two, one. And then they, they hit like a bell and then it's like a boing. And it's just this like sleazy, dark, like slinking song and Rico just goes so fucking hard over this. She's just bringing so much attitude and Rico personality to this. And it's so catchy. I don't know how anyone can listen to this and not just like want to bob their head and sing along. She's incredible. And she has this like really quick, like rapping switch up in the middle. And you just kind of hear all these things that make Rico nasty, just such a singular artist Gots to Get Paid is just uh, one of my favorite songs of this year by far. It made your honorable mentions. What do you love about it? Yeah, I mean, I think Las Arenas was a bit of up and down mixtape from Rico, but Gots to Get Paid, I think, is one of the best examples of the qualities I like most about Rico, which is just, I think, her unique presence as a rapper. But yeah, and like the, the beat is crazy. You know, it's yeah. uh, exactly what I like about some of her other stuff, like on Nightmare Vacation. You know, she's really at home on this like more ca- chaotic sounding stuff. Mm-hmm. And when she's also like really bringing it with the rapping like she is on that song, it's like the whole package for what you like about Rico. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, great way to sum that up for me. Thank you. What's your number five song of the year? Number five. Mitski. Should have been Whoa, me. Mitski. I know, right? Is this my list? What's going on here? <laughs> How unlike me. Yes. Uh, Laurel Hell did not make the album list, <clears throat> but there was a few moments on Laurel Hell where Mitski, who has become quite the TikTok per, uh, artist, quite the streaming success, where Mitski was like, you know what? We're going to throw some 80s in here. Hell yeah. We're going to make a little bit of pop music now. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. This is pretty cool. It should have been me to me. It's incredibly catchy. Man, mm-hmm. It's just a catchy-ass chorus, man. I love this song so much. Not yeah. much more to say. It's a great one. Also, made her one of the best new artists at the Grammys. No, actually, she didn't get nominated, but, yep. um, you know. Maybe 2025 she'll win a Grammy for best <laughs> yeah, new but, artist. Yeah, put out a few Grammys more work. albums, you know. Um, no, definitely. Uh, I Actually, it's funny. I think one of my most overlooked albums from this year. Loved it at the time. Just didn't get back to it as much as I wanted to, but you're absolutely right the the turn from her to a little bit more mainstream palatable pop uh she does it so well and it's funny as we're kind of talking about that like a rock group who also went a little bit more pop leaning um but with a little bit more rock than they typically have is phoenix and the song tonight with ezra koenig is just Mm. fucking pure rock pop bliss for me um you take ezra who is like 
probably my favorite person in rock right now in general. Love Vampire Weekend. Put them with Phoenix and Thomas Mars, and they just bounce together on this song so well. That chorus, that roll with me, uh, gets stuck in your head so quickly. And they have some great guitars. The drums are just doing their thing on it. And it's just absolutely so much fun. And I just love the song, man. Just love it. Kind of for the same reasons you said about Misky. It's just like pop mm-hmm. and fun and it's yeah. hard to dislike. Honestly, I should have mentioned Phoenix Alpha Zulu as an honorable mention album. I just yeah. had a great time listening to that. Sounded great. Same here. I, I knew I was going to talk about it here, but I'm, I'm glad right. we both loved it. What's your number four? Number four for me. Glorilla. Ah. Tomorrow 2. Every this day was the sun will shine. That is why I love tomorrow. Man, <laughs> talk about the biggest uh, new star of 2022. Certainly the biggest rap, new rap star of the year. Glorilla blows up with FNF earlier in the year. And we talked about the, her debut EP, Anyway Life's Great, a few, uh, few weeks back. And the second single she dropped was Tomorrow 2, which is essentially a remix of a, a song she already had made. And you get this amazing Cardi B feature dropping in. And Cardi, I think, really brings it on this track as a guest. And in general, it's a, one of the best qualities about Cardi B that she's very open and showing love to female MCs coming up, uh, you know, behind her, under her. And, I mean, prime shit talking from Cardi, right? Um, <laughs> she say she might op, but I don't know her. Had to look her up. It's funniest <laughs> shit ever. <laughs> but Glorilla really holds her own on that song and has become a face of memphis hip-hop straight up at this point and you know the bet awards performance was really big for her you know i'm really excited to see what's next and to get a grammy nomination for the for fnf uh the year came out like as a brand new artist rare example of the grammys really being on the ball with something Mm -hmm. you know the same year they nominate jack harlow and dj Khaled, they still find a way to nominate glorilla very perplexing to most of us that being said, <laughs> happy for Big Glow here. And yeah, I think it's just, it, yeah. it it really pumps you up. And she's just incredibly exciting new talent. Yeah, you know, um, with Cardi B, right, since we got um, like WAP, but even before that, things like, um, what was it, Kodak? Uh, Bodak Yellow. Bodak Yellow. Yep. You know, th- this song reminds me a lot of that in a sense where it's just like, total like braggadocia and just like attitude and personality and the fact that like she hopped on this track with glorilla glorilla and glorilla glorilla i can't talk fucking holds her own and they both just are like so confident it's like it's really hard to dislike that song um yeah it's it's a great choice it was one of my honorable mentions that wasn't like it wasn't like 11 or 12 but top 15 for sure for me um you know kind of switching it up I probably should put this one with Rico because Swedish House Mafia back for the first time in 10 years, dropping an album. And one of the songs that I found myself listening to most this year was Mafia by Swedish House Mafia. It's a song that has no words, just a EDM song, but it's it's a grimy feel. Um, It comes right after Moth to a Flame, their biggest hit since Don't You Worry Child on the album. But the first time I heard this, I immediately hit uh, restart on the song and I went back again it just is so dark and grimy and then it, the beat comes in and the drums are just 
fucking hitting. This needs to this needs a twenty one savage feature over it. This needs to be uh used by every rapper to make a hit song because it is I, I think one of the best songs of the year and just absolutely love it. So Yeah, that that's a nice that's an awesome pick. I had a, a different Swedish House Mafia song as a honorable mention and that would be Frankenstein featuring Rocky. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, that, think, that run, Moth to a Flame Mafia Frankenstein, like yeah. Chef's kiss. Yeah. Wasn't expecting to like that Sweet Chow's Mafia album as much as we did, but uh, Me a, a pleasant surprise for sure. Definitely. What's next for you? Yeah, what's next for me? Technically, this song came out in 2021, but it was December 16th, 2021, when most people's lists were already made, and it was put on a mixtape that came out in January called Capri Songs by FK Twigs. And this, of course, would be Tears in the Club by FK Twigs featuring The Weeknd. Um, Initially, I had this song a little further back on the list. I was like, oh, it's kind of old. Maybe I shouldn't put it up so high. And I was like, no, fuck it. I love this song so damn much. I find it incredibly catchy. has all those things you like about FK Twigs as this like really intriguing, unique uh, you know, R&B alternative pop vocalist. But this time, we're on a fucking dance track. Yeah. And it is so great. Like, I think she sounds amazing the way she rides on those choruses. Watch the music video. The third time the chorus comes back around, there's this incredible synchronized dancing moment. And like, I think it really like livens the song. If you watch that video and the weekend too, really fits the song with a not phoned in feature by any means. He sounds great on this. He sounds great with FKA twigs. And she's an artist that uh, I think most people who know about her, she's not super popular. Most people that know FKA twigs really admire her just for, her unique qualities you know and of course we loved um the album for 2019 uh magdalene mm-hmm. and capri songs is an honorable mention you know project for me this year but tears in the club i think which is right away like you know the start of the year which is like one of those like this was like my like song of the year for like the first three months kind of deal you know mm-hmm. yeah i mean that the album has a few bangers off it ride the dragon comes to mind as another track but great great choice for sure um gonna keep it moving and Dave, when we do these lists, a lot of the times I try to hedge. I try to, you know, oh, I have a tie at number 10 just so we talk about some more artists. Well, I have a tie at my number two this year, but they're both Bad Bunny. So is it really a tie if I say that Despues de la Playa and Titi Mi Pregunto are ah, yes. both the number two songs of the year? I don't know. I, maybe it is, but I wanted to shout out. After the beach, songs. you have a question. <laughs> um, yeah, you know. When we first listened to uh, Unveranos and T, I think we both were just blown away and it felt like, you know, a Bad Bunny as an artist just is completely exploding even more than he already had. But as you mentioned in our albums discussion, Rosalia just had a, a more focused um, vision for her album. And Unveranos and T is, is a bit bloated, you know, 23 songs. There's a lot on there. But when you get songs like, Despos de la Player, which starts off so like, I don't know, kind of sparse and almost like futuristic sounding. And then a minute in, it just totally shifts. And it's just this like fun Latin dance track or Titi Mi Pregunto, which right from the beginning has, has this like awesome Latin vibe, but like a little bit bouncier. Like you just understand why Bad Bunny is the biggest artist in the world, because these songs are just 
so fun to listen to. They have so much energy, so much of his personality. And yeah, I couldn't choose between them. So I'm going to be a coward and put both, but both worthy of being at number two, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's obviously very well earned. Uh, you'll see Unvaranus and T in a lot of album lists. You'll see Bunny tracks on a lot of songs lists. And I think the thing about that album is even if I don't love like the overall cohesion of the album enough to pick, put it on my list, there are so many contenders for a song list, right? Like you mm-hmm. just mentioned too, but like Me Porto Bonito is yep. damn near Billy already, you know, Moscow Mule. Uh, there's just so many. Uh, Ojitos Lindos, like there's just so many contenders, right? I think yeah. for me, like I think I like Bunny's older stuff a little bit more. I like the kind of harder reggaeton he used to do and was a bit more Latin trap. He didn't do that on this, right? And and was more inviting and he's 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 a fucking rocket ship now. You mm-hmm. know? Uh, this was was lighter, it was summerier, right? And that is why he dominated the summer. That is why he's still doing like 80,000 units every week and like it's nuts the 30th week of the album being out you know it's it's uh-huh. insane it's insane you know and uh yeah you, you can't speak to the year in music without bad bunny Talk obviously bad bunny. yep absolutely all right we're we're on to your number two dave what do you got number two can i bite your lip it's a bad habit baby dave my number one talk, talk about it our guy steve lacy who we had been a fan of for some time known about for a while obviously member of the internet the band you know he was not a member of odd future but he's connected to odd future via the internet people have been paying attention to steve lacy a long time ever since steve lacy's demo right he had a lot of hype from a very young age and a song like dark red gigantic hit for him right really really blew up on tiktok after the fact but was a genuine hit and well liked when it came out as well and what did he do he decided to make another dark red but he actually made a better version of it, and it's called Bad Habit. And I remember when I heard this as the lead single to his album this year, Gemini Rights, I was like, holy shit, this is insanely good. Mm-hmm. It is definitely Dark Red too. and hats off for doing it again. You really can't fault him for it. And it's been really funny uh, to see what's happened with this song since as it destroyed TikTok and seems to have really flooded the Gemini Rights tour that Steve Lacey went on. Yeah. Where uh, newer fans, let's say, of Steve, who probably don't know his catalog as well as his long-term fans, seem to be kind of flooding his shows and uh, acting up a bit in the crowd, and it seemed to be getting to Steve, unfortunately. That being said, I think at the end of the day, he'll welcome the huge success that he's had, and of course, he got some Grammy not- Grammy love with this as well. I mean, it, it's just really catchy, and it's still not compromising at all from what Steve does in terms of like having like the really engaging guitar, right? But like he really knows when to like step it up vocally and like uh, I think get like more impassioned, you know, mm-hmm. like when the, and match that with the guitar. Like uh, really, like one of the best examples I think of like all oh, that talent that people have seen for several years with him really manifesting in like just true brilliance. Yeah, uh, you said it very well. Um... You know, it's very rare when like the biggest or I don't know if it's the biggest, but one of the biggest songs of the year is also just like a fucking amazing, amazing song, a song that if we had just come across, we would have been like, holy shit, this is a song of the year. But then it also just gets the attention it deserves, which is awesome. Um, Steve Lacey. With Gemini rights in general, um, just is approaching uh, a level of stardom I just never thought he would. Um, you know, he is 
totally he's going from being this you know like well-respected artist uh especially guitarist in the internet to a legitimate musician uh popular popular musician and bad habit is just like the best example of what he can do writing a song that is so catchy um that is so well crafted that breakdown at the end is so unique and something that i feel like is so singular to him he has so much uh personality if you see the picture in terms of uh, on my background on youtube but his whole like vibe for this album with his like glasses like and the thing around his eyes um he's just he's just himself and this song allowed him to become well-known and popular and i just am so happy for him and so happy for us that we got this song and it's you know not it's not even like definitely my favorite song off the album but it just is the song of the year in my opinion so i had to put number one dave i thought this would be your number one for sure great 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 point uh thought about (laughs) for sure my number one though is wait did you do your number two yes that was bunny Uh, right yes bad bunny okay yes the last one for me my actual number one would be burna boy last last nice number five most played song of the year on spotify I didn't love his album this year, Love Domini, as much as 2020's uh, album, Twice as Tall. Still had a lot of great qualities about it, though. Burner Boy, of course, like the probably most critically adored Afrobeats artist these days. I don't think he's quite as big as Wizkid, but I definitely like him more. And Last Last to me was just, from the moment I heard it, I believe I heard it as a single first. The moment I heard it, I was like, wow, this is just like one of those like triumphant, happy songs but like because you have like that like background i don't want to call it a choir but like that background chorus that will sing in and kind of like dub over like the burn of vocals at times also it was really catchy there but to me like it felt really triumphant and it often reminded me a lot of that feeling that you get from beyonce's renaissance where it's like this is an album that is an album about being out in the world again and being happy about where you are right and to me that's exactly how i feel about last last as a song as well which Mm. is this kind of triumphant crowd pleasing but like community gathering type vibe as a song and yeah i I just think it's it's a really triumphant kind of thing so number one for me great choice honorable mention for myself um you know it's it's just nice to hear him making these songs like I, I don't even really know how to say it. it's just like Bernard boy is such a, like a, a wonderful artist and i just love that he's getting more and more attention even if this album wasn't one of our favorites like he still just makes really compelling and really interesting music um dave we've mentioned i think in total at least 20 songs i think we also mentioned some honorable mentions that we had what are some of the tracks that didn't make your list but were close yeah great question uh so i think right off the bat so I didn't pick songs from uh, my albums of the year. So if I had plenty of contenders, right? Cuff It, Beyonce, Price of Fame, Brent Fias, Part of the Band, 1975, Used to Know Me, Charlie, XCX, uh, Magic, Vince Staples. That being said, didn't pick them, right? So from there, uh, a few we already mentioned uh, that you mentioned, Brock Hampton's The Ending, Got to Get Paid, Rico Nasty, Frankenstein, Swedish House Mafia. After that, uh, let's see. Nyan, No Problem, Lupe Fiasco, Autobato, Charlie Be Quiet, Charlie Puth, Her by Megan the Stallion, Hold My Hand 
Lady Gaga off the mm. Top Gun soundtrack. Love that track. Uh, Save Me by Empress Of. Really fun dance pop. Um, Treacherous Twins, I think, is my top Her Lost song by Drake and 21 Savage, but there's admittedly several contenders. Um, this Hell by Rina Sawayama. And lastly, uh, Get Your Mans by Rich Brian and Warren Hugh. Just really fun <laughs> banger. Great flows from both of them. Nice. Good ones. Um, a few I just wanted to shout out. Liberation by Muse. Um, yep, very fun track. Um, Western Wind, a song that you didn't love, but I thought was really strong from Carly Rae Jepsen. Bit of a right. different vibe for her. Um, Kalani's Wish I Never. Um, really love that that track. Um, About Damn Time by Lizzo. Mm-hmm. Like I said, was going to make my list, but didn't. Um, you know, Jack White put out a few... Uh, albums this year with some good songs taking taking me back was one of my favorites off those um yeah i think we covered most of them um, oh and lastly uh dance now by jid and kenny mason really catchy that course that's a good one that's a really good one you know i just want to say real quick we didn't mention nas on either of our either of our lists right. nas put out a fucking awesome album this year and he deserves some attention so i know he's like we're, we're taking him for granted now because he's really four bangers in a row <laughs> yeah um man what a year in music uh any last thoughts before we wrap this up dave no i don't think so if you're listening to the songs make sure you check the link below for the albums list for the breakdown of best k-pop of the year most disappointing albums and of course stay tuned for best television shows of 2022 and best movies 2022 as well as your weekly uh programming we try and do it all here we'll catch you next year